0: Hello and welcome to the Objective Associates podcast. Uh, Today we'll be talking about AWS costs, that's Amazon Web Services, a complicated area, uh, and one which I'm delighted to say we have someone who knows a lot about it. Uh, Fraser Ingram joins me. Uh, Fraser is the CTO at Objective Associates. And of course I should introduce myself. My name is Alec Ogilvie and I'm Managing Director at Objective Associates. So, uh, Fraser, I guess the first thing to talk about is really the big choices when you've moved to AWS for whatever reason. So Let's maybe cover that in a different episode as to why you would move to AWS. But I guess the first thing you look at is probably, well, I guess the database types that you could potentially use. How does that work? How do you make that choice? Yeah, sure. You've got a few options when you're looking at the, the database. Um you could either
1: do it the way you'd probably normally have it in a, in a data center. You've got virtual machines hosting databases or, or, or physical machines hosting database servers, um, be that Microsoft SQL Server, MySQL, or, 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 or many other database technologies. So you can still do that on AWS, and how you do that is is by setting up EC2 instances. Uh, you set them up, choose the instance size that you would want, um, so effectively, choosing the amount of memory you've got, the number of CPU cores that you've got available to you, and and uh, or the other choice, so that's that's EC two. You'd choose those instances, or the other way to do it is is look at using uh, the RDS service from from Amazon. The RDS service is effectively a cloud-based database that you've you generate the database, you manage the database, but you don't manage the servers that go along with that. Um, there's advantages to use an RDS, and that obviously what's happening there is Amazon are managing the database servers, if you like. Um, they're, they're dealing with the mirroring, they're dealing with uh, resilience aspects of that. If you're doing that in EC2, you're having to put that together yourself. So maybe setting up mirroring, transaction log shipping, all that kind of stuff that you would normally do when you're setting up uh, database servers a, on a traditional data, data center.
0: So when it comes to the costs on that then, it strikes me if, if Amazon in the RDS database environment, are doing a lot of that mirroring stuff on your behalf, then that must be a more expensive option for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, you are paying for Amazon to to set up the resilience for you. So you are, you are paying Amazon to do that for you, as opposed to an EC2 set up where you're doing that yourself. Uh, so in an EC2 scenario, you may need... Well, if it's Microsoft uh, technology that you were using, you would need three databases. In that case, you would need a, your, your primary, your mirror, and a witness server. Whereas in RDS, that, that's all done for you. All you've got is a database
0: to connect to and use the database. And if you're not using mirroring, or if you choose not to have mirroring for whatever reason, it sounds then that the EC2 would be a very sensible uh, way to go and presumably, it's still pretty resilient. It's not going to fall over on you or anything. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, you,
1: you can set up and use an EC2 database. So, uh, and that that would that would be the same as setting up a, a single database server as you would do in a data center, if you or if you've got a, a database set in your in your office.
0: All right. So, so there's the two choices, and you do RDS or you do EC2, which is Elastic. Computing, yeah, elastic cloud computing, elastic cloud computing. Thanks, Fraser. Okay, so those are the two choices. Um, regardless of that choice, you're going to have to store the data someplace. So, yeah. so what's the options there?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you set up an EC2 instance, you get a, a little bit of storage for your effectively for your operating system. Uh, for some instances, you also get uh, effectively some temporary storage that's that's local to that uh, that machine. Uh, the but that is temporary storage and it will get deleted when, this, when the machine goes down and back up. Uh, so really what you need to do is set up some EBS storage and there's a number of choices in the EBS storage that you've got. Uh, you can use traditional uh, hard disk drives uh, or you can use SSDs and there's a number of options within both of those as to how fast you want them to go.
0: Okay, so the costs associated with that storage then, I guess... Whether it's SSDs or any other kind of conventional storage, how are they charging for that? How does that work? You're really charged. Uh, so if you if you're looking at
1: traditional hard disks, you you're really charged per per gig. So effectively, you're charged. You know, if you want hundred gigs worth of storage, you, you're going to get charged for hundred gigs worth of storage. For SSDs, you've got another option though. You get charged per gig, but you can also look at the IOPS that you need available. So if you need Really fast storage, then you can bump the IOPS up and and get charged more for that hundred
0: gig. All right, so IOPS. Explain to me, if not the listener, what what is an IOPS? IOPS is really the the if you think about it, is is
1: the rate in which you want to read and write data from that drive. You know, so the the more IOPS you got, the faster you can read write data from the drive.
0: All right, so this is really—it's a, a notion of processing capability in the end, isn't it? Because if you can't get the stuff in and out of the system, then you're not going to be able to process. So your your system's going to slow down, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, I mean, if you're doing—if you've got a, you know a, maybe a database with heavy read and write operations, then then looking at
0: the you know being able to speed up the IOPS on that would be fantastic. So there's a couple of price models that are associated when you're actually um, choosing your AWS setup. Um, you want to run through those uh, for us and explain the kind of pros and cons of, of each?
1: Yeah, so on your EC2 instances, um, so effectively your, your normal server setup, as you would see it, and you would normally have had it in your in your data center, a virtual server effectively, you've got a couple of ways to pay for it, or a few ways to pay for that. Um, you can pay for it on demand, so you can pay for it, you know, if you want it up, then you pay for 24 hours worth of access of that every day of the week. Okay, so that's your normal, okay, I've got this server up and running and I'm always having it up and running. Uh, So you pay for it. You would would set an on-demand instance in that case. To bring the cost down on that, if you can commit to running that for uh, a period of a year or three years, there's ways to bring down the cost on that on up to about 20%. So you buy a reserved instance in that case, as opposed to an on-demand instance.
0: All right. So you could imagine the situation where if you're moving to the cloud or you've got a new service or a new system you're installing, then you could potentially say, right, I'm going to set up an on-demand type model yeah, and then figure out over the space of a couple of months or a couple of weeks even, I guess, how how much that's going to cost you and whether it's worthwhile going to a reserve model where you're you may be committing on the longer term, but you're getting a discount on the overall price. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And is it easy to switch between those two business models? Yeah, I mean, if, if
1: you've got an on-demand instance running and you've got it up and running, then all you do is buy the reserved instance. You don't have to shut it down, your existing instance back down. You don't have to do anything like that. You just say, okay... I'm now buying a, a reserved instance of that same size, and your your costs for your on-demand inst- instance will effectively fall
0: back down to the, the reserved price. So that really helps to take the risk out of building a system on AWS because you can effectively suck it and see before you commit to any long-term costs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean if you think that you know you need a a, a pretty small server to start off with or a pretty chunky server to start off with, and then then you spin that up. Get it running and see what it does. You know, you, you know, you see if you're using the full CPU power. See if you're, see how it's how it's going. Or do you need a bigger instance than that, or do you need a smaller instance than that? And you tune it at that point, And then once you've got it all settled, then you can look at buying the reserved instance and settling the costs on that. There's actually options as well within the reserved instance to
0: convert it to different instance types as well. So, all right. So you can increase its... Processing capability or, or the storage around it.
1: Yeah, the, yeah. Effectively, if you've got a reserved instance of say a, a medium instance size, then you can you can look at changing that to maybe a two XL. And there's ways to do that within AWS. There are certain parameters around about what you
0: can change to what, but uh, it can be done. And you can go up and down. You're not locked in if you go up the way. You can go up. Uh, you can go up. Right, (laughs) you can go up, (laughs) right, by a bit where perhaps. Um, If you are then in an environment where you want to go up or you want to move to a a reserved instance, how do you know when to do it? How are you monitoring the behaviour of the instance that you've got or instances you've got and deciding when that time is appropriate? How how can you see what's going on?
1: Well, there's there's a couple of ways to do it, okay. So if you look, um, the really simple way um, is, okay, are, are your servers performing okay? And are you happy with the way, the utilisation that you've got in those instances, okay? The very simple way is going into Cost Explorer within your AWS dashboard. And if you've had it running for over a week, you'll start getting recommendations from Amazon as to which instances would go on a reserved instance as well and how much money it would save you. Should we believe that? If you're settled in your infrastructure, then it's a really good way of looking at it, okay? Okay. But if you're if you're looking at your instances and going, actually, maybe I'm underutilizing that instance, or maybe it's it's not quite coping with what I've got running on the on the instance. Then maybe you look at first up and or downsizing. Effectively what you really want to do is you want to make every instance the right size for ports running on it. Okay. So it's, we talk about right sizing the instances, okay? So make sure that if you're if you've got a two-core instance, then it's utilising those two cores. If you've got a four-core instance and you're not using the CPU very much, then look at changing it, you know, look at bringing it
0: back down to a smaller instance size and utilising it fully. So presumably all these, the CPU usage, that's getting reported to you in some digestible manner.
1: Yeah, so within your AWS um, console, you, you get your, uh, you get some really good starts when you look at the instances, okay? You also, you've got CloudWatch as well, which CloudWatch will let you set up alerts and monitors on CPU usage. It'll let you set up monitors on, um, you know, if you're looking at, at, at T2 instances, it'll let you set up credit
0: watches and things like that. And I'm sure we'll talk about T2 instances in a second. Nicely queued up, I guess. T2 instances, obviously they must be something of interest to the folks. So explain to me a bit about, about them there. So... so if you've got um if you've got an instance running on on AWS,
1: say you've got an instance with thirty gig of memory, four cores, uh, you've got to sit set running, uh, but you're going actually, most of the time that instance is is low CPU usage. Okay, so you know, I might need all the memory, but I'm I'm not using the CPU all the uh, full tilt. So uh, there's ways to reduce that, so and convert that instance. From its current instance into a T2 instance. What a T2 instance lets you do is it, it's cheaper than the equivalent uh, general purpose instance for a start, so it's cheaper per hour than the general purpose instance. But what happens is that as you're using the CPU, you either gain or lose credits on that CPU. So you start off with a set number of, of CPU credits, as about 60 odd. Uh, and if you're under utilising the CPU use the CPU, then you gain credits on that. If you're overusing the CPU based on our threshold, then you will start losing credits. And the aim obviously is not to get to zero credits. If you get to zero credits, the machine will start to get throttled.
0: Alright, I'm I'm trying to digest that. I guess it sounds a bit like a leaky bucket where somebody somewhere is pouring water in at the top and there's water pouring out the bottom. And the idea is to Find some kind of equilibrium. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. I'm, I'm sure, sure that doesn't help anybody out there. And
1: monitor it. Uh, and monitor it. <laughs> and, monitor it. Okay. and monitor it. Make sure you never hit hit zero credits. What we do in that case is we've got our T2 instances set up with uh, CloudWatch to monitor and make sure that we don't go below fifty credits on any of our
0: any of our instances. Okay. Um, we're almost out of time, um, but given that we're talking about how to maximize the usage of AWS, uh, and minimize your spend. The last thing that's probably worth a quick mention is is Lambda, because that strikes me as, as almost science fiction. Oh, Lambda's fantastic. I love it.
1: It's absolutely brilliant.
0: So what Lambda does is
1: it allows you to execute a bit of code for up to five minutes. Okay, so you can basically say, here's a bit of code that I want to run. Here's the data I want to give it and run this for five minutes and come back to me with the results. And then you're effectively paying for what you use. Okay? You're not running a server, you're just, you're just firing a data
0: packet and getting it to run some code against it. So basically Amazon's got a whole bunch of processing power and you chuck this code at the thing and it does it. And as long as you do it within five minutes and tidy up at the back end so yeah. that you've, you complete your, your processing safely. You just chuck it when you need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's fantastic. Just so, so so great for real heavy peak load kind of moments when you really need to do something fast and you've no you've not already pre contracted that processing power. I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean it saves you uh, running up an EC2 instance to go and uh, and you know run something for for a couple of hours. You just you know chop it down, run run it on Lambda functions, and get the results back.
0: And you get price information on this regularly, so that you're not just spending the finance director's budget all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it's worth keeping an eye on uh, on your AWS console. So you've got Cost Explorer within right. uh, within the AWS console, and it tells you effectively what you're spending. Right. Uh, keeps you up to date. So today I can
0: see what we spent yesterday. Um, all right. And uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Folks, we've covered a lot of ground. I should thank Fraser. Um, that's probably about 15 minutes that we've spent chatting about AWS costs and the general structure of how an AWS system should look. So, you know, to recap that there's, there's RDS databases. There's EC2. RDS is sounds like a fully managed type thing from, from Amazon, which is pretty expensive compared to EC2. You choose the instance that you want. You. Step up the ladder as you need to get more processing power, but with CloudWatch you can monitor the usage. Um, sounds like IOPS are pretty important. If you get the IOP count right, then you can do as much processing as you want. Get that wrong and your, your system will die on its feet with the sounds of it. And then there's the Slambda thing, which is throw some, com- throw some code at Amazon and it'll run it for you. So, um, yeah, pretty good. I mean, is that a rough summary, Fraser, do you like?
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. We'll pretty, take that.
0: pretty rough one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thanks again, Fraser. Um, and listeners, we're we'll hoping to do a few of these over the next few weeks, so please check in again. Um Yeah, this has been uh, Alec and Fraser talking about AWS costs. Thanks very much. Thank you.